Today we're starting a new sermon series, and we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. So if you'd like to turn to Proverbs, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1 this morning. And it's a sermon series entitled, Get Wisdom. We couldn't get any more creative than that because that's the point. So we're going to be in a sermon series called, Get Wisdom, focusing on Proverbs chapters 1 to 9. Um, It's interesting today. Uh, When you consider the world around us, it's interesting to tackle something like Proverbs, especially in light of how we look for insight and meaning and direction. We, we live in a self-improvement world, don't we? We live in a self-improvement world. We live uh, in the information world and where knowledge is just at your fingertips and it is never-ending. We live in the five best tips for life world. You need every single one of those tips. And we live in a world where everyone is searching for something to align their life by. We're all looking for something. Culturally, we are searching for many things. Direction and right information and right thinking. And we're searching in every way possible. Everyone's looking for wisdom, whether they know it or not. We can be thankful that we are not left wanting about wisdom and about God's wisdom. In fact, Scripture is overflowing with wisdom. It's why we're giving. It's why we're given all of Scripture. Notably, why we're given wisdom literature: um, Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. It was needed when it was written, and it's needed still. Well, it's been a while since we've taught on wisdom literature. It's probably been about it's too long. Too long. It's been too long since we've taught on wisdom literature, and and we're going to focus in on Proverbs. In the next several weeks, we're going to look at what wisdom is, why we need God's wisdom that specifically is found in Proverbs, uh, how to properly consider to think about God's wisdom, and how it interacts with everyday life, how we really put it into practice right where we live. And above all, we're going to see that the wisdom of God is meant to give us knowledge, It's meant to affect our heart and our character, and it's always, always, always meant to be put into practice. That's how we live out wisdom. So take your Bibles. In Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to read the first seven verses together. I'm going to read. You read with me. How about that? All right. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we get started. Will you pray with me? Father, would you help our hearts to be able to take in not just the knowledge of what we're to hear, but the, the, that you would change our hearts in the process so that we could do something with it. God, that we would apply it, that we would just not just know your word, but it would affect our character and affect what we do. We need your help. Holy Spirit, would you do that in our hearts and, and we'll be ready to listen. Thank you for the chance to study uh, these chapters over the next few weeks. And I just, God, I'm praying for the heart of our church that we would desire to live in a way that's wise, in a way that honors you. So help us with that this morning. Thank you for the chance to look at your word and gather together. We commit our time to you together. And we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 
Well, Proverbs begins with a prologue, an introduction, and it is really clear. This is an introduction to the whole book. And we get these words, the Proverbs of Solomon, and we we start to find out more about what the book is going to be all about. It's going to introduce the forms of wisdom, the forms that are are going to be here. Proverbs, words like parables, sayings, riddles. It's going to give us really clear reasons to study it. It's going to encourage us to grow in our character. And we're going to be introduced to the various characters who are meant to read Proverbs and do something with it. The simple, the young, the wise, the fools. So we have to start with what are Proverbs? What are Proverbs? They're catchy phrases that pepper conversation. They're the idea of this everyday wisdom in life. But when we talk biblically, we're talking something different. We're, we're talking about wise sayings that teach how to live morally upright lives that are centered on the wisdom of God, centered on, in fact, a right view of God. Proverbs are wisdom sayings applied to any and all aspects of life. They're wise guidance, but a lot more. Wisdom literature explores how to live well in God's world, and and Proverbs here, um, both collected by Solomon and written by Solomon, um, was one way that those in the ancient Near East passed on that wisdom to each other. So while Proverbs are short sentences of wisdom, they're not to be taken on their own terms, or even on our own terms. In fact, biblical wisdom offers advice on its own terms. One writer has said that we're always supposed to read Proverbs theologically before we read it morally, meaning, what do we discover about God here? And let that shape everything. We ask what it says about God before we ask about what it says about how we should live, because they're made to go together. The book of Proverbs, like this collection, um, is attributed to Solomon, though he didn't write all of them. Remember Solomon's story, right? He followed David, his father, the the king after God's own heart, the man after God's own heart. And, And what we see at the beginning of Solomon's reign, at a time when his heart was still sensitive and not calloused, he recognized how big the task was in front of him, and we get to see his heart. Here's what he says in 1 Kings chapter 3. Oh, man. You can turn there. You can trust me. I'll read it though. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God asked, and God said, ask whatever you want me to give you. And and we see Solomon's answer here. He answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. You see a soft heart here, right? Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth or for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will, there, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And we find out that 
the Lord honored Solomon for this request, and he became the central figure of wisdom in the life of the kingdom. So he contributed, both contributed and collected to this, this wisdom. And so we have the Proverbs of Solomon here. And, Pro, and, Solomon, uh, and Proverbs is, is broken up into just a few sections, chapters 1 to 9 that we're going to focus on. Really, it focuses on um, 10 speeches of a father passing on wisdom to his son, right? Good, godly, parental wisdom, which we all need. And it also focuses on these four poems from what, what, is, what is wisdom personified, what's called Lady Wisdom. And Lady Wisdom invites and, and calls her hearers to leave whatever path they're on and turn towards the path of wisdom. In, in chapters 10 to 29, it's, it's what we're more familiar with when we think of Proverbs. It's, it's those sayings that we kind of equate with Proverbs. And then we have chapters 30 and 31. But Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, it's not just good advice. It's an invitation from God to learn real wisdom. It's an invitation to action to set a course in life. And it's an invitation to everyone. So we're going to find there, there are different forms here. We're going to see a lot of comparison and contrast, right? We just spent time studying the parables of what Jesus used. A lot of comparison and contrast. It's going to sound similar sometimes. But everything we study, it's meant to invite personal reflection. Our hearts are meant to be provoked. And we're going to have to ask ourselves, am I willing to be provoked to wisdom? I hope so. So the prologue is clear in answering this question, why should we even study this? Why do we study Proverbs? And Proverbs gives several reasons right at the beginning. And, and as simple as, as we could say it, it would be this. Why do we study Proverbs? To gain wisdom, to develop character, and to encourage an obedient relationship to the Lord. To gain wisdom, to develop character, and encourage an obedient relationship to the Lord. So let's look what it says about why to study, and we're in verse 2 right here. Why do we study Proverbs? The first reason is, is for gaining wisdom and instruction. What's wisdom? What, what is this wisdom we're going to talk over and over about? It's a word that could be described in multiple good ways, but it's acquired learning that helps someone what, know what to do in a given situation. It's the idea of knowledge combined with a learned skill. In our, heart, in our minds, we should think of it like this. It's like someone who is learning a trade, right? Someone who wants to know they don't know, so they spend time with someone who knows. Right? Not just so that they can gain the skill, but so they know how to put it into practice in what they do in everyday life. That's this idea. That's, that's wisdom. And it's learned from somebody farther along down the path. We've been talking about this idea of invested, right? That's, that's this big idea that those farther down the path pass on what they know about what you're to do and the heart of which, in which you're to do it and, and encourage you to put it into practice. So those of you who have taken up the call to invest in others, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's what we do. We'll use together here, wisdom instruction carries with it this idea of discipline. This idea of discipline, the idea of submitting to instruction to reach the goal. It's, it's making a choice, and we're going to talk a lot about that. It's, it's making the choice to do something in the correct way to accomplish that goal. It's to be disciplined. 
So we mentioned earlier that we live in an age where everyone is wrestling with this idea of betterment. You just, you got to be better. Or you got to do it more efficiently. Um, or, you know what, you probably need a life hack for that. Right? That's, that's what our culture talks about all the time. Um, we assume that someone else has the secrets that we need to know to do it better. Right? Did you know that you've been seeding a pomegranate wrong all this time? Right? This is going to change your life. But that's the culture we live in where everybody is assuming I'm doing it all wrong and I've got to look for a way, a path forward. Guess what? God has a path forward. He has wisdom for us. Proverbs reminds us that the ultimate life hack is skilled biblical wisdom put into practice. We can't do it better than that. Yes, most people are searching for something to help their choices, and it, and it seems as if there are infinite paths available to us, infinite paths ahead to explore where someone else, some other path, has the secret that we're looking for in life. But don't lose sight of this. Wisdom and instruction, meaning skilled biblical wisdom, comes from the Lord. And Proverbs wants to offer that to its readers. God wants to offer that to us in this book. And we're supposed to consider the skilled path of God's wisdom. This makes me think about Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Um, did you know that in 2018, they put out 1,500 hours of original content? In addition to everything else they have on Netflix, that is mind-boggling. Some of you are paying attention more than you've ever paid attention right now as we're talking about Netflix. Um, they put out 1,500 hours of completely original programming in 2018. Do you, know what, you want to know what people watch? They watch a show that's been off the air for 10 years. Right? 7% of all viewing on Netflix is The Office. Um, why? I think because at some point people become, uh, there's something about the familiar that they just long for. There's something about the characters that they feel like they know. I'm not promoting the office here. I'm just saying, why do people gravitate to this? Because it's familiar. You're drawn to something consistent. The same characters. With people's actions, they're showing that maybe unlimited options is not better. And it's the same with the path of life. Unlimited options aren't necessarily better, and it's not at all necessarily wiser. There's something clear, concrete, and consistent about God's wisdom, his way of looking at things. Proverbs invites us to know that firsthand, and we want to flesh that out in this series as we look at various different kind of topics. So it's not just about knowing more. Knowledge is good, but without character and action, it is not wisdom. We get another reason here. It says, for understanding words of insight. This is the idea to be able to consider what is before us, to distinguish between options, and to properly evaluate what choices should be made. To be able to consider the multiple paths, multiple options, or multiple opportunities, and to say, I can make a wise decision here. That's one of the reasons we study Proverbs. In verse 3, we get another reason. It says, For receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. 
This idea of receiving instructions, it's, it's similar to chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. That's a, the storing up. Meaning as you receive wisdom, as you gather it, you do something with us. And it's supposed to push us towards that, to do something with what we store up. There again is the idea that gaining wisdom leads to action, and action that is morally right. It unites belief and character and action. You probably heard the phrase knowing and being and doing. That's Proverbs. Know what to do, be who God wants you to be, and put it into practice. That's success. So with this reason, we're told that prudent behavior doesn't just give us a chance to make a choice, but that it gives us a chance to make a successful choice, to live successfully. And don't we all want to be successful? What's really great here that it says, what does successful living look like? And it says this, what does biblically successful living look like? It it looks like what is right. It looks like what is right. It's, it's this idea of conduct conforming to a standard. In, in Deuteronomy 25, um, it says this. It says, you must have accurate and honest weights and measures so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. This idea of what is right, it's this idea of like weights and, and measurements that are accurate, that conform to a standard. And we know that the standard is what God says, Right? What does biblically successful living look like? Something that conforms to God's standards. It says, what does it look like? It, it, it's things that are just, justice, like the idea in legal matters. We just talked about Solomon. And, and, it's, and, and if you notice when we read that, it says, and, and God gave him a heart for justice and for what was right. And the very next thing that we get recorded in, in 1 Kings chapter 3 is, it says two women had two children. And in the middle of the night, one of the kids died. And... They came to Solomon to dispute because both, both of the women laid claims to the child that was alive. And Solomon listened to what they had to say. And he said this, fine, I know what to do. We'll divide the child in half and each of you can take a part. Well, of course, the mom who, who that was her child says, no way, no, no, no. You take the baby. You take the baby. And Solomon knew what was right there. He knew what was just. He knew how to make a just decision. That's the idea of justice, right? Justice in these legal matters. You want to know what successful living looks like. It means that your heart is turned towards what is just. Towards what is just. And it also looks like, it looks like what is fair. It looks like what is fair. This idea of what uh, equity, uh, what is upright and what is straight. It's, it's the idea of staying on the straight path that is in front of us, not veering to the right or to the left. What does successful biblical living look like? It's when your heart is turned towards what is right and what is just and what is fair. Friends, there's a lot of talk about this in our, in our culture right now. But what if, us, what if as Christians, that's where we wanted our hearts to turn towards? What, is, what God says is right and what is just and what is fair. So Proverbs tells us the goal of this wisdom, the goal of prudence here, that it would produce something in us. So you want to know if your life is prudent, if it's wise, if it's marked by what is right and just and fair, that's a good indication. Proverbs 2.9 says that those things are the good path because we're all searching for a path. And it's easy to get sidetracked in this at times. But that's why we study God's wisdom to stay on that good godly path. 
the path of conduct conforming to the standard of what is right, the path concerned with justice, and the path that is straight. Proverbs is meant to pass something on to those that need to be taught, to those that need to be learned, if you will. Right? And, and we get uh, another reason for studying. For, it says, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. And it's a good reminder that we all start at the same place. No one starts off wise. We all start off, well, really, um, we all start off needing to learn. This is actually really exciting. Think about it like this. This idea of simple, it's, it's not a negative term, term here. It's, it's the idea of someone who is easily influenced. It's the idea of, that somebody can be persuaded and somebody has their options ahead of them. They, they still can make a choice of which direction they go forward in. Those with the potential to learn. But the potential as we learn is both for good or for bad, for, for wisdom or for folly. Everyone can learn, but that knowledge could be used negatively or positively. There's a whole genre of, of uh, well, the comic book genre talks about this all the time. It's why it's so compelling to people. Because everybody, even in their own heart, can understand, I can go down one path or, other, or another with what I have. I have to make a choice. It's why it, com- it compels people. It's why it's, it's relatable. Everyone can learn. So the idea of prudence here positively is this idea of a shrewd plan of action, this idea of cleverness. It's good to be clever when you, when you make a good decision. Negatively, though, it, it can be planned deception or planned evil. The Bible talks about it. It's such a word for premeditated murder. It's the word used to describe Satan in, in Genesis 3, 1, where it talks about him being scheming. Right? Positive or negative. When we talk about knowledge and discretion positively, that can be this discerning path, right? The ability to make plans for the best course of action. But negatively, it can be craftiness. Craftiness. Proverbs 12.2 talks about, and it says, when those who devise wicked schemes in their heart. That's the negative side of this. As we learn, we go one way or another, but we all can learn. We all can learn. And we're building something with our knowledge, with our lives. The choice is what to do with that learning. What will you do with it? Which path are you going to take? And is it going to be positive or negative? We all have a choice. And Proverbs offers to help. So, um, mature church family members. Wise church family members. Right. In, in case you're tempted to hear this and say, you know, what? I, I've kind of heard a lot of this all the time. We, we get a parenthesis here. Not another reason, but a, a, some words to those of uh, those of, I'm not going to include myself in that category. Those of us in the room, part of the family that would say, you know what? I'm wise. I've been working on being wise. I've been working on growing. Here's what it'd say. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. These are words for those that have already learned. If you're mature, how should you listen to Proverbs? You're not the simple and young anymore, but will you continue to hear Proverbs as the wise? To hear what God wants from you, to to let it affect your character and to put it into practice? This isn't just for the young. The young grow wiser. I'm sorry, the wise grow wiser still. And if you're mature, ask God to help you grow wiser still as we study Proverbs. The young and simple obviously need wisdom, but so do the wise. You know, think of the best leader you know. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's somebody you work with. And you're just like, you know what? They're a really good leader. Chances are the reason why you think they're a really good leader is because they're always learning. Right? They're, they're probably, one of the characteristics about them is they probably are always learning. I want you to know, I'm grateful, I'm grateful for Jesse DeLo. Um, many of you know Jesse. Some of you don't, but he is the unspoken member of our speaking team. He sits in on our speaking team meetings with his wealth of wisdom and knowledge, and he offers something to us every week. But the reason why I, I appreciate him so much is because of his wisdom. It's because he is a learner. He often says things like this. I never thought about it like that before. He's a good example of someone who has said, you know what? I will continue to learn. I'm still learning. That's the invitation here, is to keep learning. We get another reason. It says, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And, and these, these are just, these are, some of these words are words for some harder ideas to gra- grasp. Meaning, as you are wise and you continue to grow in wisdom, you, you keep growing and being able to understand things. That wise people grow wiser still, and it still takes work. So that means they, they, they grow primarily in their character. Wise people grow primarily in their character and how they shine. Proverbs 4.18 says this, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. So most of these Proverbs aren't riddles to be solved. That's not what we're going to find here. Um, but this is a reminder that wisdom requires work. Wisdom requires reflection. It requires taking time to, like, let it, work in your heart. You know what? This, this is why like our discipleship counseling team, one of the tools that they use is often asking people to journal. Why? Because when we want to grow wiser, when we want to understand what God is saying to us, we, we're, we need to stop and reflect. So they ask people, hey, jot down what you were thinking in that context. Hey, when you're wrestling with this, write down what you were thinking. Um, it's not just a good exercise. It's an exercise for learning wisdom. It's why we do the same thing with our premarital counseling, right? Write down what you're thinking here. Mark down some notes as you have these conversations. Why? Because we're meant to reflect on these things. That's how we gain wisdom. The book of Proverbs is for growing in and reflecting on wisdom. So while verse, verse 3 showed the evidence of wise living, right, what is wise and just and fair, verse 7 gets to the key for wisdom. It shows the key of wisdom and introduces us to the idea of two paths. And it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is key. And I'm not going to belabor this because we're going to talk a lot about this next week. But fear of the Lord is fear and awe and reverence for God. It's the basis for proper relationship with God. He's not our buddy, and he's not our co-pilot. He is the holy creator and judge, the giver of life. And this should lead us to genuine fear. When we stop and consider what that says about him, it should lead our hearts to be fearful and awe and reverence and actually godly fear. This is central in wisdom literature. Um, we find it in Job. In Job 28, 28 says this, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. It's, it's what Ecclesiastes says when it gets to the end of things. It says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
for this is the duty of all mankind. So we're going to expound on this, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week, but as we go along, without the fear of the Lord, there is no true instruction and wisdom and no true worship. We're supposed to read Proverbs very aware of who God is and fear him, which leads our hearts to response. Worship. That's why Francis Chan says, isn't it a comfort to worship a God we cannot exaggerate? Simply put here, the, the wise fear God, fools do not. Fools do not. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's, it's treating something of value with contempt as if it was worthless. It's like, what you've, it's like when you hand like a cell phone to a little kid and you're so scared of what's going to happen. Why? They don't have an understanding of what the value of that technology is. So they treat it with contempt. But that's what the fool does. It treats the wisdom of God with contempt as if it has no value. The wise fear God. Fools do not. So we get to the end of the prologue and there's two paths and a choice, but the choice is not, will I be wise or be a fool? The choice is this, what will I do with the wisdom of God? Because what I do with the wisdom of God determines the path that I head down. And as we look ahead, we're going to be forced to get real, to be provoked. Um, If you've seen my car that I drive around right now, it's a little rough at the moment, right? got a mirror that's messed up that you know the inside handles are kind of broken off I just tell people I, I have kids right that's what happens but the, the worst part of right now is that it pulls right as I drive it pulls right and unless I am always aware and and continue to course correct for that I'm gonna head right friends that's our hearts it's our hearts our hearts always want to pull towards sin They always want to pull towards sin. And unless we are vigilant, they are going to pull towards sin. We want to be lazy, not diligent. We want to be prideful, not humble. We want easy gratification, not disciplined pursuit. We want our own personal version of happiness, not holiness. We want the end and not to pay attention to the path. Friends, there are two paths. And the Lord wants to invite us down the path of wisdom that leads to life. So as we continue to study this, we're going to just realize the key to all this is fear of the Lord. But let the fear of the Lord lead you to hear his words, let it affect your heart, and put it into practice. That's the path that leads to life built on wisdom. It's a choice, always. Um, Jesus likened this choice. Remember, he gets to the end of the sermon, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he, he likens this choice uh, to idea of somebody uh, building a house, Right? And paying attention to the foundation, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." Who's the wise person? The one who hears the words of God, puts them into practice, and builds their house on that rock. This reminds me of a story from the the little book uh, by Josh Medcalf, Chop Wood, Carry Water. And in it, it it talks about a story about a man named Coda. I just want to read this to you real quickly. There was once a man named Coda who built some of the finest houses in all Tokyo. 
His work became world famous due to his dedication to the process, his willingness to be on his craft, and his relentless devotion to keep learning even late into his career. Eventually, though, Coda grew tired of building homes for other people, and he was ready to retire. He had been building homes for over 30 years, and he was ready to move on. He wanted to travel and spend lots of time with his grandkids. One day, Coda approached his boss and turned in his two-week notice. His boss said, Coda, we are forever indebted to you for the magnificent work you have done for your company, and we are so grateful you have worked for us for so long. We do have one favor to ask of you, though. Could you please build one more house? It's a very important house for a very important client, and everyone in the company agreed it needs your magic touch. Coda was frustrated. He would have to cancel two trips and postpone his new life, all for one house. He told his boss that he needed a day to think about it. After talking it over with his wife, he gave in and decided he would build one more house. But he told his boss, this is the last one. But while Coda had agreed with his head to build this last house, his heart was no longer in it. He had always been very hands-on through the entire building process, always selecting the finest materials by hand and making sure every detail was diligently tended to. But this house was different. He viewed it more as an obligation rather than an opportunity. He delegated much of the work, and consequently, a lot of things started slipping through the cracks. The house would be up to code, but as it started to come together, it was obvious that it lacked the wow factor that Coda's other homes were known for. Coda knew in his heart this was far from his best work, but he was over it and ready to move on to the next phase of his life. The next phase was much more appealing and important to him. He went back to his boss telling him, I did what you asked. Now I'm asking you one last time for your blessing to retire. His boss said, thank you, Coda. We just have one more thing. And now he was beginning to get really upset because he thought they were going to ask him to build another house. His boss reached into his desk and pulled out a very small black box with a red ribbon tied around it. He handed the box to Coda and said, we are so grateful for you, Coda. This gift is a token of our appreciation. Coda pulled the ribbon, opening the box to discover a set of shiny new keys. His boss smiled. The house is yours. You deserve it. Immediately, his heart sank. Unbeknownst to Coda, the whole time he had been building his own house. If only he had known he was building his own house, he would have cared so much more. He would have only used the finest materials, and he would have overseen every detail and given it his all like he had always done. But now, it was too late. The story talks about the house, but Jesus reminds us that it starts with the foundation. Friends, it is not too late. Whatever phase of life you are in, you are still building the house of your life. The question is, are you going to continue to build on the foundation of God and his wisdom and what he thinks is wise, what is right and just and fair? So whether you're young and simple, the wise, or maybe even the fool, the only way to build, God, uh, build well is to fear God, to hear his words, to let it affect your heart, and to put it into practice. Proverbs invites us to do that. Again, I'm really excited as we head into these next several weeks. Will we choose individually and as a church family to say, God, we want your wisdom and we're willing to put it into a practice. Would you pray with me? Father, we just thank you for your word and that for so uh, you have been desiring for so long for people to leave lives and and hearts that veer towards every other direction other than the straight path. We're thankful so much that you have, first of all, you gave us Jesus so that we could stay on that straight path, that our hearts would be forever changed 
And we're thankful that you give us wisdom then to know how to act and to operate in daily lives. We need your help with this. Life is hard. Life, life comes at us so quickly. We want to be people that fear you, to know what you have to say, to let it affect our hearts, and to put it into practice. Oh, would you help us with that? And we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Friends, have a great week. You are sent.